and the older children in the red shirt. In a series uh, called When Pigs Fly, we're looking at miracles. Uh, last week we talked about God's power over the forces of darkness. Next week, I'm uh, going to visit about God's ability and power to protect us. Miracles of protection. Uh, week four, we'll look at God's miraculous, how He miraculously provides for His people. But today I want us to talk about something I believe potentially can change your faith, can affect your whole faith in your life. Um, we can see literally miracles in this area of people's lives today. And uh, I hope and pray that before we finish today, you'll understand and realize God's power to heal and the miracles of healing that God can do. But let me ask you a quick question as we start. How many of you believe that our God has the power to touch a sick body and to make it well? Good, good. Well, I absolutely believe He can do that. Um. If you look through Scripture, Old Testament, you see miracle after miracle of healing. Uh, in the New Testament, there's at least 30 different miracles where Jesus healed people of sickness in their body. Uh, it's implied that there's healing uh, hundreds and hundreds more times. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind, healed deaf ears, made lame to walk, raised the dead. Look in the book of Acts, there was a time when Paul was preaching. <laughs> it's really kind of a funny story. Uh, he was preaching so long, uh, Luke describes it as going on and on and on and on. Uh, have any of you ever heard a boring sermon, of course, at another church other than this one? <clears throat> But Paul went on and on and on and on, and, it, and, and the story goes on that this uh, young man was sitting in the windowsill, uh, Eutychus, and uh, fell asleep and fell out of the window and it killed him. But, you know, Paul being the type of guy that he is, and after all, his long sermon is what killed him, <laughs> he, uh, he went in and, and raised the boy from back to life. And so, uh, yeah, that's a great story. It's a great story. Uh, my wife is always kidded around. I think she's kidding around when she says she has a hard time sleeping. She just turns on one of my sermons and that usually just takes care of it. So um, she's not here this morning to uh, defend that. So I'm good. Good. All right. The most controversial of all the miracles in the New Testament, though, was the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Some scholars believe it's precisely why Peter denied Jesus three times. Uh, it's, that's just a joke. Uh, it's really a bad joke, but it's, it's just a joke. Uh, but God does have the power to heal. John fourteen twelve. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I t- very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the work I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Greater things than than these. So what did Jesus do? What could be greater than healing someone from the sick, from being sick? Well, that sick person then can go on and do great things. 
I've heard it said, and it's probably true in some, in some respects. A person could be critical of God in saying, well, where's the, uh, uh, the answer to cancer? Where is the um, antidote for uh, pain and misery in the world? And the answer comes back from God, well, I, I created somebody to be able to bring that to you, but you killed them. When they were in the womb. You see, we'll never know of the 60 million babies that have been killed since 1973. We'll never know what could have been in the lives and the influence of those children. We'll never know. How can God bless a country... That kills its own kids, its own babies. We're doing that. We're still doing it. It's time we stop. It's time we stop. We serve a God to whom all things are possible. A God who can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever hope, ask, think or imagine he can do such incredible things through the church we haven't even tapped yet China was seeing a resurgence of Christianity so what did they do to stop it they're crushing it they're killing Christians by the hundreds in China burning their churches to the ground They're not putting them in jail. They're killing the people. Because they believe that if they kill enough Christians, Christianity will go away. Well, guess what? They'll never kill them all. They'll never kill them all. In fact, the more they kill, the more come. (laughs) It's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? Except in America. Except in America. How many of you have ever prayed that God would do a miracle and heal someone and He didn't do it? Babies with cancer, stillborns, grandparents with Alzheimer's, teenagers taken through terrible car accidents, drug overdoses. The list can go on and on and on. And how do we reconcile? What do we do? How do we go before God? And how do we pray if we believe that He can and we know that He has, but He doesn't always do what we know He could do and think that He should do? I want to talk to you today in a way that might answer a few of these questions. I hope they will. And at some time, build your faith in a God who hears our prayers and does miracles. I want to build the message on a foundation that it may be obvious to you in in your real life, but it may not be obvious to you just how true this is in Scripture. Because our key thought today, it's there in your uh, sermon notes, we need to understand and embrace the truth that our God heals, but He doesn't heal everyone all the time. If that were the case, then we should be able to walk down the hallways of children's hospital and not have a patient in there. I should be able to walk over to St. Francis Hospital down any hallway 
and whoever's in there, for whatever reason they're in there, and praying for them that they'll be healed, they should be able to get up and walk out of there. Why don't they? Why don't the faith healers who claim the faith healings, why don't they go through the hospitals and healing everyone? Why couldn't Richard Roberts, who claimed to be a faith healer and still to this day, why couldn't he heal his own mother when she fell and busted her head against the curb and had a brain aneurysm? You know what his answer was on TV? Well, God sometimes answers and sometimes He doesn't. Wow, that was profound. (laughs) Well, then I don't need to send you any more money if that's the case. Let me give you three quick examples of what I'm talking about. A guy named Trophimus was one of Apostle Paul's friends. Accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey, but Trophimus got sick. God apparently didn't heal him when he got sick. And as we read in 2 Timothy 4.20, Paul says God not only didn't heal him, but Paul left him behind. He just left him there. And he went on about his business of serving God and doing what God had called him to do in his heart. In his heart. And God could have, but God didn't. Same with Timothy, who apparently had some stomach issues. Paul told his younger protege, Timothy, Hey, listen, God could have healed you, but He didn't. So, whatever you need to do to take care of that, you do it. That's when he talked about drinking a little wine for your stomach's sake. A lot of people say, I see right there, it says you can drink. Okay. Does it mean you can drink till you're drunk and can't stand up? Nope, doesn't say that at all. Are you drinking to help with your stomach issue, or are you just drinking because you want to whatever? That's about makes about as much sense as the guy that says, well, it's okay to smoke marijuana. It says it in the Bible. Where does it say it? It said, God made grass and said it was good. That sounds like the marijuana people here in Oklahoma. Boy, we got to pass that law. Got to pass that law. I see, I think one time before when they said it wasn't ever going to be a casino, just a bingo hall. That's all we're going to have. <laughs> Trophimus. Timothy. And then how about Paul himself? He pleaded three times for God to remove whatever infirmity he was facing. Three times. Scholars have argued for years about what that is. His eyesight, he's hunched over. Who knows what it was. But he prayed three times and God told him every time what answer? No. No, and no again. Wow. I mean, this is the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. This is the guy that took the gospel message to the Gentiles first. This was the guy. Powerful guy. Influential guy. You'd think that whatever it was is bothering him. God would want him to feel okay about it. But God said no. God said, I'm going to show you something even better. I'm going to show you how my grace is sufficient for you. So maybe what you and I are struggling with is to get us in a position to where we focus again on God's grace in our life.
Somebody asked me the other day, well, how are your feet? So now I just hold them up. <laughs> Especially the right one where all the bones are from that ankle bone are all crumpled up. It looks like it's swollen, but that's just bones that are all crumpled up on in the inside of my foot. It really looks bad. It doesn't feel very good either. But every time I get a twinge of pain, I thank God that I can still feel pain. And that's kind of crazy, isn't it? No, it's not. Because one day, <laughs> this is also what reminds me when I feel the pain in my feet. Because one day, I'm going to have feet I can run like Brett Ty used to run. Used to run. I mean, he's getting old now. He's, he's a step slower than he used to be. These are my friends Brett and Thomas here this morning. I'm sure glad to see them. But I'm going to run, man. I'm going to run like a gazelle. Well, I don't know if I'll ever run like a gazelle. But I'm going to run. Or it'll be some semblance of running. It may just be a forward stumble. I'm not sure. But my feet are going to work right. But probably not here anymore. Over there. Makes heaven that much sweeter for me. It's part of my journey. It's just part of my journey. So whatever you're facing, whatever infirmity you're facing, it's just part of your journey. Just relax. It's just part of your journey. But I want to give you today, real quickly, three reasons why Jesus did not do miracles. Did not do them. Number one, Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove Himself. I don't know if you've ever done this. I did all the time when I was a kid. Just just do this one thing, God. If you'll just do this one thing, well, I'm going to serve you forever. God, if you'll come through, I'm going to give all the rest of the money I ever make the rest of my life. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> and God comes through. And what happens to us? We go instantly brain dead and don't ever remember making that promise. Oh, how fast we do that. <laughs> God doesn't play those kind of games. I wish He did because it would be a whole lot easier to make that kind of bargain deal with God and then He does His part, we do our part. Hey, yay, good. It's all good and go. He's God and for some reason He does what He wants. He refuses to perform miracles to prove Himself Mark chapter 8, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. What was the motive of their heart in the case here when they're asking questions? They're trying to test Him. To test Jesus Himself. They're asking for a sign from heaven. Do something to prove that you really are the Son of God. And Jesus said, Sighed greatly and deeply, you're making me crazy. I'm not doing tricks for you. He sighs deeply and he says, Why does this generation ask for ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. I'm not doing miracles to prove myself. I do miracles that are in the line with the heart of God. Those are the miracles I'm doing, the ones that fit for the Father's purpose. So number one, 
He didn't do it to prove himself. Number two, Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. Now, that's really important. It's really important. He never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. Now, let me give you an example of that. Jesus chooses to do a miracle in one moment, and a moment later, He withholds a miracle when it was within His power to do that miracle. It's a powerful story. Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss on the cheek to show the guards who they were supposed to arrest. And then Peter, getting a little ticked off here, decides he's going to take matters into his own hand. You know the story. He jumps up, grabs the soldier's sword, and swings it, I think, at his head and just (laughs) had bad aim. Cuts the guy's ear off. Remember that story? And everybody's kind of jumping around, and I'm sure there's some yelling going on. Whoa, 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 slow down. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Jesus, in all the pandemonium, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, Peter, Peter. Then he says, hey, where's, where's the guy's ear? I mean, this guy's got his ear cut off. He's sitting over there with blood gushing out of his head. Right? He's sitting there going, ah. And Jesus is saying, where's the man's ear? Somebody give me the ear. Who knows where it went? went flying off somewhere. Probably found it in the bush over there close. Can you imagine going to get the ear? Here it is, Jesus. (laughs) Brings him the ear. And so what does Jesus do while he's still teaching and telling Peter, well, just calm down, you don't go by the sword. He gets the ear, goes over to the man Malchus, and then puts the ear back on his side of his head. Kind of straightens his hair out a little bit, moves his ear around okay, and the guy can instantly hear! Woo! Wow. That's incredible, people would say. Jesus He can do incredible things. Peter said, I'm not going to let this happen. And Jesus doesn't do a miracle and he says, I have I, I've got to do this. He says, Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? I mean, God would just send a boom. Boom! Here they come. Thousands! When they got ready to nail Him to the cross, He had the command of 10,000 angels, it says. Whew! I don't know about you, if just one angel shows up, but I'm not, I don't even know how to fathom 10,000 angels showing up. Hollywood could not show us a film that would depict 10,000 angels showing up. 10,000 angels could come. He said, I could have them at the command of a word. They could come, but he said, I'm not going to call them. If I asked for that miracle, Scriptures wouldn't be fulfilled. In one moment, he does a miracle by restoring a man's hearing. And the next moment, he, he doesn't want to interfere with God's ultimate plan and holds back. On the miracle of calling the angels. Even when all the disciples around him don't fully understand, Jesus would do things that confounded them. When did Jesus not do a miracle? He didn't 
do it to prove himself. He didn't do a miracle that would have a temporary earthly benefit at the cost of, a, of an eternal godly benefit when it interferes with God's plan. Number three, Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. He would never do a miracle where there was no faith. When he went to his hometown, people were not impressed. Jesus grew up there. A lot of them grew up with him. Yeah! Isn't he, isn't he Joseph's son, that carpenter's son? That annoying kid that was the teacher's pet, got all the answers right. Never talked too much in class. Yeah, Jesus, the son of Joseph. Scripture says that he did not do miracles there because they lacked faith in the very kid that they grew up with and knew all along. We've got to understand that our faith moves the heart of God. Our faith matters to God. If you're laying in a hospital bed dying and the doctor says there is no hope, put your faith in God. Pat Roberts has been in the hospital enough to, for the doctor to say, Pat, not going to make it this time. And she'd go, okay. Why? Because her faith isn't in that doctor. Her faith is in the great physician. Now, what if she, what if this body did finally give out and she died in the hospital? Glory, hallelujah. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Yeah, she's gone, man. And looking back at us saying, see you, suck eyes. <sighs> right? I don't know if she'd say that. That's probably what I would say. I don't know if she'd say But we've got to understand that our faith will move a mountain. Story told of the woman with the issue of blood. You know the story. Twelve years she had struggled with this. And she heard that Jesus was coming to town. She thought, if I could just get close enough, just get close enough to touch Him, I believe I'd be healed. And sure enough, well, she gets... Can you see the description of her getting... She's down on her... The, the crowd is here, and, 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 and Jesus is walking on the other side of the crowd. They're, they've got a wall made there. And she gets down on her all fours, and she's crawling, and she sees a, a bow-legged man, I guess. I don't know. Because she reaches through the crowd... And just touches the hem of his garment as he walks by. Just like this. And then pulls back. What does she experience instantly? Healing! What does Jesus do? Somebody touch me. <laughs> and the apostles stop and go, oh really? Mm-hmm. We're surrounded by a thousand people and you're sitting here telling us, somebody touched you? But what he meant was the power left me. He knew that somebody had been healed. And he saw her, and what did he say? Daughter. He called her daughter. Daughter. Your what? What does it say? Daughter, your has. Say it again. Daughter, your. Now say it like you really mean it. Daughter, your. Your faith has healed you, daughter. He called her daughter. Can you see the love there? Can you see the relationship? Can you see it? He could have said, Hey, old woman! No! He said, Hey, daughter, your faith has healed you. Our faith 
moves the heart of God. Another time, a Roman centurion had a servant that was sick and says, Jesus, I'm not even worthy to come into your house. Just say the word. Just say the word. My son will be healed. Jesus said, I've never seen such faith like this before. Never seen it. And in the hometown of Jesus where he was a prophet without honor, he looked on and said, I'm amazed that you don't believe that I can do anything. I'm amazed at their lack of faith. I'm curious when it comes to your faith. If Jesus were amazed, would would He be, wow, amazed at you? Or, wow, amazed at you and me for our lack of faith? Even if you just look at the prayers you prayed last week, what did you ask for? Was it all self-centered? Was it all selfish stuff? Or were you really praying to move the heart of God about somebody or something? Were you really doing that? That's when you and God. God bless my food. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't need to bless your food. He does. Don't get me wrong. Especially if you're eating certain types of food. He needs to bless your food. Some of these Chinese restaurants you go into, you just you wonder what's going on in there. Oh, i got to tell you this story. When Cindy and I, before we had kids, we were eating at a Chinese buffet we'd love to eat at all the time. And as I'd pick her up at noon, we'd go eat lunch at this buffet. And one day we're in this buffet, and, <laughs> and you hear this... I mean, it's just a commotion going on in the kitchen. And they're just screaming in Chinese and every every language I'd never heard of before. But then the door opens. And you can see flames going up the side of the wall. And the guy opens the door and he goes, Hey, everything okay. <laughs> and then he shuts the door. And we're all going, What? Place is on fire. Everything is okay. <laughs> so I don't know why I had to tell you that story, but there it is. Let's get back into this here. Are you praying faith-moving, faith-honoring prayers to God? It tells a story that we need to have the, the faith of the size of a mustard seed. Mustard seed's really, really small. But do you have the kind of faith... Like a mustard seed, it says, if you tell this mountain to jump into the sea, boom, it's going to jump into the sea. That's some faith-moving, mountain-moving faith, isn't it? Just the size of a mustard seed. To moms who are here today, you know you can take a lot of pain. But when someone comes after your kid, huh, There is nothing that's going to stop you from stopping whatever's coming after your kid. My brother can beat on me all day long, but don't let you come beat on me because he's not not going to take that. You see. And there is nothing, what they call them, mama bears. There's nothing worse than having a mama bear come alive. I've seen some older women come alive when somebody's coming after their babies. And these, these aren't babies. These are 30, 40 year old men and women, but it don't matter. They may be in their wheelchair with a cane, but you're going to get beat with that cane as soon as they get up close to you. 
Don't mess with the kids. But do you have that kind of faith? Do you have the kind of faith that will help you to be an overcomer? Maybe we need to be praying, God help me in my unbelief like the centurion said. Help me in my unbelief. Our faith is based on what God does. It's, it's not based on what God does. It's based on who God is. I've got that there at the bottom of your outline. Our faith isn't based on what God does. Our faith is based on who God is. So you come to Him with a specific request and you don't get the answer that you're seeking. Is it because He doesn't hear you? It may just simply be Him saying, it's not not time yet. He's going to answer you one of three ways. Yes, no, and not yet. Not yet. Be patient. Keep praying. Be consistent. Be faithful. Trust in the goodness of God. Trust in the all-knowing knowledge of God. And have faith based on what He does in a moment. Because our faith needs to be based on what He did for us on the cross. And it doesn't get any better than that. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask you this morning, as we conclude our message, would you move in the hearts of people here? Would there be one today that would say, God, I need you in such a way I've never had you before. God, I just need prayer. I am struggling. I am struggling. But God, here's what I do know. Is that if I'll pray that prayer in faith, you will reach out and touch the life of that person. I know you will. You've done it time and time and time again. You've even allowed us as a church to see those touches. We don't always see them, but we've been able to see them. So God, I'm praying that you'll do it one more time. If there's a person here ready to surrender their heart and surrender their self to let you have control. Ah, oh, but then that's, that's the issue, isn't it, God? We all want control. Is there one today? Is there one? Would you move in their heart as we sing our invitation? In Jesus' name. Amen. Just as I am, greatest song for the invitation that's ever been written. Because God doesn't want you any other way than just the way you are right now. And then we'll work on the changes. But are you ready? It's up to you. It's between you and God. Let's stand and sing together. And if God's moving in your heart to respond, would you this morning? Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, oh, of God I come, I come. So glad you were here today. Uh, tonight, 6.30, our uh, Bible study here at the church with Brother Don uh, leading that. 
Uh, don't forget that. And uh, be sure and take home that uh, description of our, our children's uh, director, pastor that we're looking for, and begin to pray for God to bring that person uh, to our midst here, and uh, that they will join with us and uh, help us uh, in, our, in our ministry here. Uh, any other announcements we need to make? Wednesday night, uh, going to have spaghetti this week. 